Hey, future applauders. Do you like talking about movies? Like smart movies? Dumb movies? Science fiction movies? Horror movies? Fantasy movies? Do you like listening to people talk about a movie longer than it would take you to actually watch the movie? Do you sit with your friends and rant at great length about things you're passionate about? You may be interested in Shocked and Applaud. Join us while we go through peculiar movies, traditional movies, movies that we just like, movies that we find are sort of like, huh? Do we follow somebody on social media and then they posted about a movie and we're just going to watch it now? Sure, why not? Our podcast is completely unscripted, so you're going to stumble through things with us because we stumble a lot. We're going to laugh. We're going to talk about what's problematic, but really it comes down to talking about movies. You can visit us at shockedandapplaud.com, on Twitter at shockedapplaud, and Facebook at shockedandapplaud. We hope to see you there. I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And this is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. Yes, and this is another At The Movies episode, so... Yeah, we went out to our local theater and we checked out a first-run movie. And that movie is what, Ash? The Batman. I'm Batman. The Batman. The Batman. Um, Alrighty, so let me just go out and say it. I think this is the best Batman movie that's come out so far. Oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, this is probably <laughs> the best Batman movie I've seen probably in the theater. It's definitely. Yeah. Uh, I mean... And, and I say that, that means a lot, actually, because uh, I'm a huge fan of the Nolan films. I mean, I, for the longest time, I would have said that was probably the best thing that came after that. And this is very much the same beast, but I just feel like it just it just digs a little bit deeper. And it, it kind of expands on some of that, particularly the detective aspect of Batman's character, which is something we hadn't yet seen in cinema. Yeah, I mean, you would think that it's something that would have came up like somewhere along the line you being know? the world's greatest detective yeah i mean that is like a feature of batman's character it's an, ep it's a, it's an epithet yeah exactly and to see it actually kind of come into play here and in this movie and be executed the way that it was i mean it's definitely a different approach an, an approach that i really did like yeah i mean it's got that sort of noir style feels very much like a detective story. I mean, you've even got the film framed by narration. Yeah, narration. I mean, that's one of those, you know, core elements of a noirish type movie. You know, from Pattinson himself, who, by the way, I said it before, I never doubted him. He fucking killed it. And, you know, I, I he's my favorite Batman now. I mean, really. I mean, again, the uh, Michael Keaton performance 
is always going to hit home. You know, I love Tim Burton's Batman. I love what Michael Keaton did with the character. I love what uh, Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale did together in bringing this character to life. And I just, but I love what Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson bring to this world even better. And you can just, you can just tell that they're fans of the comics. Yeah, definitely. And, and this is a movie that borrows heavily from some of the more investigative, more detective-oriented stories uh, yeah. in Batman's lore. You know, like, I believe Year Two is referenced here. Yeah, I mean, this is like? basically Batman Year Two. It's got elements of the Long Halloween. Yeah. it's And it, it, it's very much a detective story. It's very much an early days and and this Batman is 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 put in a you know you know how the Nolan films were great for their time because and there's going to be a lot of references to that there's going to be a lot of comparisons yeah. with that there's going to be a lot of comparisons with all of the other Batman adaptations we may even inevitably at some point we don't we don't we don't we don't have to speak up much more of it than is necessary but the Schumacher films are probably going to be referenced yeah I mean Clooney and Kilmer are both legitimate Batman as far as I'm concerned and. They really kind of just work with what they had at the time, especially that's what Schumacher fair. was giving them. You know, that's that's fair. But yeah, no, I, I just think that uh, Robert Pattinson just really he, he nails the style. And, and one thing, sorry, I was kind of getting off track here. One thing that the the Nolan films did well was you know portraying Batman in a very grounded, realistic way. And this movie just doubles down on that, and we get a Batman that take away all the futuristic technology, the fantastic technology that we saw in the Dark Knight trilogy that just kind of, you know, it, it tried to be grounded in reality, but it did a little bit of that hand-waving. Like, okay, you know, this is a special kind of fabric or, you know, something like that. And this movie doesn't even, doesn't even do that. It's just like, you know, working with technology that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Yeah. And the one time Batman just try to take flight, it doesn't work the way we expect it to at all. <laughs> no, this is definitely a version of Batman that is kind of getting all the kinks out of being Batman, you know? Yes. Just kind of trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Like, you can even see it in the way that he has his uh, suit set up. I mean, he has seemingly an even more tactical suit in this movie than he did in previous movies. He's like, my favorite bat suit, too. Yeah, like. <laughs> I, I swear to you, he has a big-ass IFAC on his fucking on his belt or something. And the and fucking emblem like, that comes out. Yeah, that was really cool. I've always... Uh, I mean, wasn't that uh, in uh, the comics at one point where he had... That was where he stashed a batarang? Or, I guess so. I mean, is is that like a new thing, or...? I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't actually read that many Batman comics. I mean, a lot of my knowledge from Batman comes from, you know, the the original films from uh, both the Burton and the Schumacher, the Christopher yeah. Nolan films, and the Batman Arkham series, uh, which, you know, another fantastic portrayal of, of the character and of the world. And maybe this film kind of reminded me of that in a lot of ways. I mean, especially with the combat with Batman versus multiple goons at the same time. And I haven't seen a Batman film that ever actually incorporated that same combat that was so much fun in the Arkham games. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I was kind of wondering. Do you think that at one point in the development of this movie that maybe it was tied to the Arkham games at one point? I will tell you this. Okay, so as far as development goes, this movie was originally set to be uh, directed, produced, written by, and star Ben Affleck, right? Oh. And originally this one was going to be set within Arkham Asylum, so maybe? 
It's oh, funny okay. that you mentioned that because okay. originally huh. that was the setup, I believe. At some point along, uh, Ben Affleck stepped down. Matt Reeves replaced him as director, uh, but he was still going to star in it. And then at some point they decided to replace him with a younger actor and focus on a younger Batman. And Robert Pattinson would, at that point was actually going to be a younger version of Ben Affleck. Uh, and it was going to be part of the DCEU still. As soon as they cast Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, we knew that wasn't happening. And this was going to be a, a new take. And apparently the reason why that happened, the reason why Matt Reeves eventually abandoned continuity was specifically just to not hamper his creative freedom. He just decided that the story he wanted to tell, he didn't want constrained by, uh, by the DCEU and what was already set up. And I respect the hell out of that. This isn't a reboot for the sake of being a reboot. This is someone that just wanted to tell the best story he could, and he realized that the best way to do that was to detach it from previous continuity. Yeah, and also he accomplished that by more or less taking it into a different genre. Here, yes. You know? like, and I just I, don't know if that would have fit. Yeah. Like, for instance... The, the you, same Batman we see in Batman versus Superman and, yeah, and Justice I mean, League. I would argue that, like, the the Nolan versus Batman, like, he's kind of more into, like, you know, saving Gotham in, in its entirety, you mm -hmm. know? And then you have the uh, original Burton Batman, which was more of a crime fighter. And then you had Kilmer and Clooney's Batman. I'm just not really sure what those were supposed to be. But <laughs> the less we say about it, the better. Yeah. And then you had Batfleck, which was, of course, he was an older, more gruff Batman who's been through some shit. You know. Yeah. And 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 he's a, he's a, once again a lot more focused on saving the world. But you know, he has the Justice League backing him up. You so. know what sucks is you would think Ben Affleck would be a great Batman. But I don't know. I just kind of always felt like he was phoning it in. I never really felt like he was that interested. Oh. And I, I can't even say it was the writing. I just feel like Ben Affleck wasn't into it. I don't no, know. I, I knew that in the original Whedon cut of Justice League when, you know, whenever Superman comes back, he gets knocked on his ass and he's like on his legs like, oh, is he back? Oh, goodness. And he's all fucking just all tired and exhausted. It's like, yeah, I think that was actually Ben Affleck. <laughs> that. That, wasn't, that wasn't Bruce Wayne or Batman. That was Affleck that all was, the way. It sucks, too, because like I said, I, you know, he's someone that I could have seen as being a great Batman. And I, I, I don't know if it was just the, the studio. I think what it was is that it was maybe a few years too late. Yeah. Like maybe he wasn't the one to play an older, more gruff Batman. I would say Clooney could fucking portray a better older Batman, an older Bruce Wayne right now. Or Michael Keaton. Or actually. Michael Keaton. Yeah, bring him back. It's like, I mean, th there's been some uh, people online who wants a Batman Beyond live action movie with Keaton as the elder Batman. Well, we're sort of getting that because he's going to be mentoring Batgirl. Oh, yeah. we're So it's kind of in the same vein of that. So, okay, so The Flash is, is, is set to bring uh, Michael Keaton. It's the same version from Batman and Batman Returns, but... Uh, ignoring the events of Forever and Batman and Robin, and let's be real, I mean Harvey Dent changed the races. Those were never; those films were never set in the same continuity. No, they were all in their own little universe. The, and the, that's the, fine; they can occupy yeah. that universe, and Adam West can occupy its own universe too. Yeah, yeah. But, the Ad, the Adam West Batman. I mean, that was all Adam West. That that's really what that was. It's hard to say what's comic accurate because the comics have always been up and down. The the Batman comics have been dark and gritty and grounded and realistic. And they've also been silly and campy. But let's also remember that that silly campy came from a time when 
all comics were silly and campy. Yeah. That was just a feature of the golden age of comics. And I don't know, for me, Batman just has always been that one series that's supposed to be dark and gritty, you know, and the DCEU doesn't need to be as a whole. DC comics don't need to be, but Batman has and always should be. <laughs> well, that's because of his main motivation. I mean, he's trying to take vengeance against the criminal underworld for the death of his parents. Yeah. You know? And, and, and I th- love how this movie takes that motivation, that obsession, and, and it he, he it's the transformation of Batman from being a vigilante to a hero, a, a superhero. You know, you're you're exactly. moving from from vengeance to hope. Exactly. And it's an interesting journey that he takes to kind of get to that. Yeah. Know? So yeah, and that's what this is. This is a very transitional type of story for Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, very transitional. And and that's something that we just haven't really seen all that well, maybe a little bit in the Nolan verse, especially in Batman Begins, but after that, you know, he's a little more established. Yeah. But here we have a Batman that is more fallible he's 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 prone to mistakes Let, let's just say we're not going to get into any real any spoilers here but yeah let's just say mistakes are made in this movie by by batman and by gordon let's just say that yeah i mean to be fair i, I feel like the riddler kind of outsmarted them he was always one step ahead the entire time and I, I don't think the point was necessarily overcoming that, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's part of the journey. And, and I guess this Batman to me is a lot similar to, I guess like Arkham origins. Yeah. That was another, another story where it's not an origin story, but it's a very early days Batman. Who's not quite, you know, Bruce Wayne, who's not quite being used to Batman. And I love what this movie does with that because we've seen a billion times over the, the billionaire playboy, Bruce Wayne and I I think this Batman this Bruce Wayne is still going to eventually become that but I think that what I liked about this movie is what is they actually started drawing some parallels with Kurt Cobain and kind of developed this character around uh around that you know this this billionaire who's a recluse who you know was rarely seen in public and he doesn't really know yet how to separate the bruce wayne and batman personas he's kind of just batman all the time still well this batman is completely defined by his past and by his trauma mm-hmm. and he's st- you can tell this is early on he's still really dealing with it hardcore don't you like how they were able to communicate that trauma without showing us his parents dying again? Oh, I love that. This movie is the epitome of show don't tell. I mean, there's a there's a part going back to that trauma. There's a there's a there's a kind of an ongoing fixation that Bruce has on this kid in the film who is an orphan of the same circumstances practically. And what's great is that that never had to be said on screen. It was communicated perfectly to us. I mean, we see this kid alone. His parents just died. We see Batman kind of looking at him and we know why he's fixated on him. We see Bruce come back and look at him again and we understand everything that's going through his mind. Yeah, that kid was very instrumental in the story. Very instrumental. It's all show, don't tell. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I also like how they kind of detechnalized uh, Batman a little bit you know he's not a this isn't a gadget heavy Batman here I mean even his even his Batmobile is very rudimentary he's very much a car guy you, you kind of see you know he's like a gearhead you see sitting down in his in his cave and yeah, he's yeah the he, back cave is practically almost like a garage yeah you have a garage with a fuck ton of bats flying around 
and and a crime lab that, that happens to be there, you know? You know? And, and, yeah. even, and even the stuff in his crime lab, it's... You would think that he would have, like, really top-notch shit, but a lot of it looks very secondhand, you know? It's like, I mean, he kind of purposely, like, didn't... Made his area as grungy and mm -hmm. as, you know, stripped down as possible, kind of as a... Uh, probably as a response to his being Bruce Wayne and his, to his wealth in a way. Yeah, I mean, if we're thinking about it and you know if bruce were thinking about it intelligently you'd think he would want to detach himself from the image of wealth and technology that nobody else should have yeah. i mean whatever he needs to do to get the job done but it makes kind of more sense to not rely on the full wealth of resources that he has available yeah now now contrast that with the bat cave that we had in the nolan verse which that was interesting because it was a as a very sterile kind of bat cave yeah you know i mean it it had a very low ceiling it had a very like perpendicular walls and everything and it had a very lit up bat cave as well lots yeah. of light in it this one is not so much it, it almost kind of reminds me of uh of dark man's uh, lair a little bit in the dark okay. man trilogy it almost it almost kind of feels like a uh, shout out to that yeah. kind of and that's a that's a Raimi trilogy right there Okay. By the way, <laughs> yeah. I, have you ever seen the Dark Man movies? Mm -hmm. How can you be into Raimi and not see the Dark Man movies? That's like his first foray into superhero style filmmaking. I don't know, but apparently Raimi said he would run to direct a. Uh, oh yeah, he wants to direct a Batman movie. I say go for it, Raimi. Go for it. it was like I and, and bring bring Ted and Bruce with you. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, it would be awesome to see Ted and Bruce in a fucking. Uh, in a Batman movie. That would be really cool. <laughs> make, make make Bruce Campbell Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember if he said he would run to direct a Batman movie or if he'd run to direct a DC movie. It was one of the two. Either way. I think it was Batman. I, it was specifically, I would love to make a Batman movie. That's pretty yeah. much what he was like. Now, I will say, part of me was hoping that this would tie into the Joker a little bit, like they could kind of throw this into the same universe. It's not. Uh, the timeline doesn't work out at all, considering the time frame that... that uh, Joker takes place in and the fact that they feature young Bruce Wayne. But I, I do like that this very much seems to kind of pay homage to that. And it, it seems to exist in the same, the same type of Gotham. I would say that in a way it can almost be a companion piece to Joker. I think so, because they're both take place in their own universe. Maybe that's why I kind of want them to be put together, but they exist yeah. in their own continuity. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Matt Reeves wants to do his own Bat-verse that's just separate. Yeah, but the, the other interesting parallel is that, in a way, both movies, Joker and the Batman, they're almost kind of inver inverted versions of each other, in a way, right? Right, because I mean, they both sort of have that cathartic moment, and those things are directly opposite. Yeah, they're very opposite. It's like, I mean, with Arthur Fleck, it was just his, uh, just his overall degradation and humiliation that just brought him to the point where he snapped, and his, his moment of catharsis was uh, shooting Robert De Niro on live TV. Yeah, that was his moment. That was, and later on in the movie, I mean. In uh, the Batman, I mean, there's something similar there, but it's kind of more heroic and it's more hopeful. He discovers, you know, what he's meant to be. And, and he has that that catharsis. He has that moment where he realizes, you know, what he's done and why what he's doing isn't having the effect that he wants it to. And and, you know, what he's afraid to embody. Yeah. And, and I think that that's really important. And well, I, I think it's 100 percent within within the Batman 
character, and I don't care what Ben Shapiro has to say about it. Oh, yes. We saw the Benny Shap review. <laughs> we saw the Benny Shap review. <laughs> oh, and it, it just felt Benny. like... It just felt like Benny, like I just I, I don't feel like you got the point of the movie. No, not at all. It just went completely over his head. It's like entirely. a lot of the things he complained about were things that were like, that was kind of the point though. Like it's like Benny, Benny, that was the point, dude. Come on now. It's like, I mean, uh like if you don't want to see any spoilers, I would avoid it. But then again, it's Benny it's Ben Shapiro, so just avoid it altogether. <laughs> it's, it's like great now. Now I'm gonna have that shit in my fucking algorithm now, dude. Oh, it's God like they're they're it. gonna start they're gonna start fucking recommending shit to me, and I don't like that. <laughs> fucking YouTube. But I mean, everybody's chimed in their opinion because I mean, this is the movie of buzz right now, and uh, I'm seeing a lot of lot of, of of positivity. A lot of like I said, uh, I always. Hell, I always knew that Pattinson was going to kill it. Like, I just, I knew it. I could see it in the guy. He's got that, like, he's got that awkward emo boy vibe that you actually do want from Batman. It's kind of perfect. I mean, he's pale. He stays in his room all day. He squints in the sunlight, you know? Yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty much goth kid Batman. That's and what now, he is. He's gothic emo Batman. And now me, and then now now uh, everybody, me included, wants to just base their entire personality off of Pattinson. Oh, yeah. I think that that's just what I'm going to have to be from now on. And, and I'm 40 years old, so like, <laughs> it's a, just a new beginning for me, you know? I don't care, babe. I'm, I'm the Battinson. Uh, I don't care, babe. I'm the Battinson. I'm going to go and brood and fight crime. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the other uh, uh, characters and their actors. Like yes. Zoe Kravitz. Man, she was pretty good in this movie, I thought. She was. You know, there's definitely a lot of chemistry between her and Robert Pattinson. And yeah. she also manages to just shine independently. Um you see that, you know, like with with Bruce, she's Selena is undergoing the transformation. You know, she's in she's in the chrysalis of becoming the femme fatale, the the sex symbol that she becomes later. Yeah. You know, she's she's sort of kind of kind of gaining her confidence and 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 I enjoy that. But you definitely see that there. You know, she's doing her own thing and and ultimately, you know, she doesn't let Batman use her, right? Exactly. Like he's gonna go about it one way, and she kind of eventually just says, "No, this is the way I want to do it." And oh, know. she just wants to cap some motherfuckers, pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much what it boils down to here, like one hundred percent. But I mean, Zoe Kravitz, she was very serviceable as an actress. It's like I, I'm looking forward to seeing her in future roles, kind kind of like how I'm looking forward to seeing Zendaya's future work. Like, I mean, I mean, are they uh, both Disney alum or just Zendaya? I know Zendaya is. I don't know. I mean, I know Zoe that Kravitz. Zoe is Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Okay. Yeah. So, so she has some lineage behind her, but yeah, I mean, she was a lot of fun as Catwoman, you know, and she she had her own kind of emotional core, you know, like her, like I mean, she she was trying to find her friend and everything, you know, and that that led to some pretty dark elements and whatnot. Yeah. So no, her acting debut was in. Uh, the rom-com No Reservations, and then oh, okay. kind of her breakthrough was X-Men. Oh, she was in X-Men. Okay. Yeah, she was in First Class as Angel oh, Salvador. Ooh. Okay, okay. I gotcha. Tempest or something. Okay. Uh, I don't actually remember that. So, I, she's, so she's already cut her chops on the superhero comic book movies. She she did the Divergent series. And okay, and, and yelling adult stuff. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and and then of course uh, Fantastic Beasts that I do remember her from. Okay, so she's actually been in some kind of you know blockbuster ish movies. You yeah. know, so but I mean here she comes into her own. I mean. She, there, there is a little bit of a vulnerability to her that that makes her very likable. I mean, there's no, there wasn't a moment. Not the first time she's played Catwoman either. Really? No, she voiced her in the Lego Batman movie. Oh, that's interesting. Um, okay, so she's pretty much uh, the official Catwoman. And now. if you want to draw another comparison with Zendaya, she voiced MJ in Into the Spider Verse. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. So wow. this, this 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 woman's gotten around, and it really shoves. I mean, she she's owning it. <laughs> oh hell yeah, man! Hell yeah! And believe it or not, that's Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot. Yes. Like, and he he kills that role. And again, we have a penguin that's not really yet the penguin yet. You know, he's kind of gaining his status as the crime lord. And, you know, he's kind of having to wait for for other um, for other mobsters and, and crime lords to kind of vacate so he can occupy that space. So he's he's not quite the threat that he's going to be later on, but he's a presence throughout the entire film. And he's intimately involved in the events. He's just not the main villain. Yeah, but I mean, they really do set up his uh, villainous rise rather well. Like, I mean, yeah. of course, they bring in the crime families from, I believe, it was year two or Long Halloween, you know, the Falcones and the Baronies. Can we also talk about Falcone? Because I, I think that this is this is like probably the best Falcone that we've gotten so far, too. I mean, he's just he, he, he's just completely... Uh it, it's totally based off of the Godfather for one, and I mean yeah. he he has that same almost that same delivery. John to Turturro. Him. Oh John, yeah, John Turturro is great, man. Like I, I believe he was a uh, Jesus in Big Lebowski, I believe. Yeah, and he, yeah, that's a pretty classic character in that movie. But yeah, he was uh, fucking great in this role, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, so you have him, you have Colin Farrell is barely recognizable. And of course you have Paul Dano. Oh man, let's talk about Paul Dano. He is the breakout here because I knew that we were going to get something really special when they, when, when they cast him as the Riddler, because I mean, I'm most familiar with him from prisoners and the character that he portrays in that is of just this very creepy, very off-putting, like individual who's involved in this child abduction case and oh. who is ultimately tortured by Hugh Jackman and everything. Yeah, and and also I th- I think uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in that movie as well. But yeah, he he's really good at portraying those types of really skeevy characters. It's just something about his countenance that just lends himself very well to that, and yeah. he's no different here. I mean. He does channel a little bit of uh, John Doe from Seven a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey's character. He yeah. channels that a little bit, but he also kind of channels a little bit of, I mean, maybe Heath Ledger a little bit. Because there is something a little Jokerish about the Riddler here. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, mainly, I think they were going for kind of like the Zodiac Killer. And, and I got to yeah. say that that's a perfect way, a per- perfect direction to bring the, well, ju- the, yeah, a lot the Riddler of that, in. A, a lot of that was directly lifted from the Zodiac case. I mean, like the ciphers and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's actually perfect for the Riddler character. And if you wanted a way to take a character who a lot of times is comic relief and is sort of this buffoonish, you know, the Jim Carrey portrayal is not far off from the way he's in the comics. I mean, even the Arkham series turns the Riddler into kind of a joke. He's one of the less respectable supervillains. 
Um, and, and this film took him to a com- in a completely different direction, made him serious, made him a force to be reckoned made with. Made him but terrifying. Like, but at the same time, you know, once the mask comes off, I don't want to spoil too much, but you, you definitely see who he really is and, you know, all the all the just really unsettling. You know, very unsettling. And, and Dano just completely just oozes that level of just skeeviness that just... Where you're just like when when he's when he he actually finally does talk to uh, Batman mm. is you're just like oh man this is so creepy and, and, and he's and not it, he's not creepy in the same like terrifying way anymore he's just like it's just it's just extremely off putting it's it's almost kind of like uh, Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler a little bit it's like he's somebody who's like he's almost like an automaton kind of approximating being human in a way. You know, that that's kind of how Gyllenhaal played his character in Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. And, and he does come off like that. He almost comes, comes off like a robot trying to act like a full-on human. And here with Dano, it's like this is basically an automaton trying to play a psychotic Joker-type character. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, there's just something still off-putting even when he's in his element. There's yeah. something off-putting about him. And, I mean, and that's why, honestly... I think that he's going to be a very fascinating character in these next couple of movies that they're going to make here. And they they would be stupid not to bring him back. Yeah, but maybe, you know, maybe not in the next film, but like have him play some kind of a role. I mean, I did, they're definitely building up the penguin, but I'd like to see, you know, like something like, like if we can take the Riddler and, and put him in this light, wonder what they could do with someone like Mr. Freeze. I know, right? I've, I've heard some discussion online about who they would cast for Mr. Freeze and who would yeah. actually really nail that role. I don't remember who they really pushed, though. It was somebody really, somebody who could really probably pull it off. Like, no, no, I know who it was. Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. I Mads saw that too. Mads Mickelson would be a perfect Mr. Freeze. I could see that. I could really see that. That's he would be amazing as Mr. Freeze.
I'm vengeance. Yeah, or I'd love to see just like like you could do something really cool with like Calendar Man. Yeah, definitely, because because he kind of has that same edge to him, kind of like Dano's Riddler. Or yeah. something that would totally fill at home here would be like Mister Zaz. Who who's who did I see that wanted to play Eggman in a fucking in a Matt Reeves Batman movie? Somebody oh. wanted to play Egg. Nick it was Cage. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Of wants course, to play. it was Nick Cage. No, please bring Nick Cage into this trilogy. That would be We're amazing. Steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> I can't wait to see that Nick Cage movie. We have to. We have to do an episode. On oh it, yeah, that new Nicolas Cage movie, The Unbearable oh. Weight of 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 Great Talent or something. Yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be. He plays like, himself. That's gonna be transcendent. That's gonna <laughs> I be. I fucking incredible. love Nick Cage. He even came out and he was like, you know, like I don't know what everybody has against uh, superhero movies. Like, I enjoy b- being able to feel good and like watch something. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it is fun to watch movies like this, but it's also good to have a movie like this that actually doesn't talk down to you. As no. You know, that that I think that was the biggest problem with the Suicide Squad. Their first one was that's what it was doing. It was it was almost like talking down to its audience. Yeah. This movie doesn't do that. You know, it's actually just that it's so grounded and it's also just showing a different type of Batman here. It it kind of lets you really soak everything in you know and it doesn't like try to give you a bunch of exposition or anything like that it really is more or less a show don't tell kind of movie yeah exactly yeah very much so i mean i I have actually really impressed me how well this movie was able to communicate multiple things uh not just through you know the performances and the acting but you know, the cinematography, Oh man. every shot just has this level of quality to it. Oh, man, there were just like so many different sh- shots that were staged that used a lot of blurry images that kind of forced you to think that it was like one thing. But then when it kind of went back, you realize that it's another. Like I they, love all the out of focus shots through Bruce's or other characters' eyes. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of uh, motifs of eyes and seeing through people's eyes here. You know, they they, they even do at, at the beginning of the movie the Michael Myers, you know, look through the mask thing. Yeah, with, uh, Paul Dano. You start you start from the perspective of the Riddler. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you start from the perspective of the villain here. Like literally from the point of view, and you hear his breathing. It's it's almost Michael Myers like. Yeah, he 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 is like the shape there for a little bit. Like even even uh, when he's first properly introduced into the movie, 
it's it's kind of similar to how Batman is. You know, it's kind of in the shadows. And are, are there moments in the film where you can actually see Paul Dano if you look closely enough, just kind of chilling there? And oh yeah, yeah. There's certain scenes where you could totally see Paul Dano just as the Riddler, just kind of in the background, just kind of there. You know, or when he's just like just like behind a character, and you're obviously supposed to see him in those at those points, but he's not always the focus of the shot. He's just kind of this figure that you're seeing in the back. And like you said, it's a very Michael Myers-esque thing. Very Myers. Very Myers-esque. So, I mean, I, I think that it was a directly referencing that any anyways. Yeah, right. and to and it seems that this is uh this is Battinson's first supervillain, and he's basically a serial killer. I mean, that's what he is. Oh, yeah, pretty much. He is a serial killer all the way. But a serial killer that, you know, he doesn't really see Batman as an adversary. He, he kind of sees him as like a partner in a way. I, uh, I guess I can't, I can't say that. It's going to be a spoiler. But yeah, uh, no, he has a very special relationship with Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's a very special relationship. Like, he, he does kind of see him as a compatriot even. Sort yeah, of. and 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 it's actually pretty crazy to see like you know the level of his delusions and to realize like how fucked up this guy is. Oh, this guy is fucked in the head. But so is Bruce. I mean, you know, he's uh, he's got this obsession to being a crime fighting vigilante. You know, and and, and it's it, it that's the way they treat it is it's like an addiction. It's something Hell, that like I'm not not even gonna say what it is, but there is a mo an am I the baddie moment that he kind of has very briefly. Yeah. Where he's just like, am I the am I the bad guy here? Yes. Like, am, am I am I doing am I doing wrong? You know, of course. You know, they got to play a couple Nirvana songs in there because they 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 really want to they really want to nail the, the the comparisons between Bruce Wade and Kurt Cobain. And again, like how you know the the Riddler as the Zodiac Killer makes a lot of sense. That also makes a lot of sense. It really does. And and I actually really like how they use the song "Something in the Way." Yeah. Which, you know, which I, I think even plays in thematically yeah. a little bit. Keep in mind, too, we haven't we didn't talk about Andy Serkis as Alfred. And that was something I was actually look, looking forward to. What's crazy is that, you know, we, we've gotten hints of Alfred having some kind of military background or secret service background, secret, yeah. secret agent or something. And, you know, and, and sometimes that's not as believable. Like, could, do I, when I look at Michael Caine, can I see this guy with like this history? No, Andy Serkis, he looks Andy like he Serkis. could have been a fucking actual badass in, in the services in, in the UK or and whatever, you know? It's central to how his relationship with Bruce is. I mean, they start on the movie as, well, they're not warm and fuzzy. I mean, the first thing Michael Keaton says about Alfred is, is that he loves him and shit, you know, and, and, uh, you know, even Christian Bale and Alfred can ha have their moments, their ups and downs, but ultimately, you know, he's always this, this, uh, fatherly, fatherly figure. figure. And yeah. in this movie, he still occupies that role, but you know, but <laughs> Bruce is also going through kind of this, this rebellious phase. I, so to speak, you know, he's kind of going, he's, he's very grunge and he's not wanting to accept and, they do get their moment later on in the film, but they're at odds with each other in the beginning. You know, it's it's a it's a very it's a very tense situation, and I I wonder if Alfred's probably second guessing himself in the way that he parents or, or has. You, you know, could, you could totally tell that he is, man, because I mean, you could tell that he's trying to fucking steer this young man onto a better path, but you know, I mean, Wayne's just not fucking having it. 
thrown into a parenting role that neither one of them, you know, asked for or, or wanted were prepared anyway. for. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so you get these characters that obviously, you know, have have been together for a while and 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 there is this this sort of unspoken love, but you know, it, that's put at odds with with uh with Bruce's his his, his mental issues and and just his his obsession, his addiction, this thing that is going on, his not wanting to keep up with being Bruce Wayne and, you know, not wanting to put on appearances. And, yeah, and it, in a way, he treats Bruce Wayne as a hindrance, you know? Yeah. Like he being, being a Wayne, period, he treats it as a hindrance. Yeah, we know? get the classic, you know, like, I only, I'm only myself when I'm under the mask, and that's something I think we've gotten with every Batman portrayal. But this one really hits home because he still doesn't know how to be Bruce Wayne. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I mean, because... Because Bruce Wayne, in a way, died with his parents at kinda. ten years old, or yeah. however it was. You know, no, like that that the the Bruce Wayne up to that point died right there. I was about just about to say there right yeah. before you said that. Like, you know, and, and and from that point on, it's like that's the Bruce that we have here. Just broken, very kind of almost timid around people. You know, almost like very much the opposite of how he is as Batman. Yes, like night and day practically. Yes. Um, we've also got his, his, the other relationship in this movie that that's super important and, un, and, um, arguably the most important one is the relationship between Batman and commissioner Gordon played this time by Jeffrey Wright. Well, l- l- Lieutenant at this point, Lieutenant, he's not the commissioner yet. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So Jim Gordon and Batman who are learning to trust each other. And obviously they've built up some sort of relationship and, and, and Gordon's the only one that actually does trust him. But you could you could still see the cracks a little bit. You, you can know, see yeah. the, you see the moments where even uh, even Gordon is kind of being like, What the fuck am I doing with this guy? And he takes a you lot know? of heat and he, he he gets the police off Batman's tail and you know, he's the reason why they they even have a working relationship. But Dude, it's there, it's even, fragile. There's you know? even a, there's even a scene in the movie where he literally has to keep a bunch of cops from like wanting to just go at Batman, dude. Like yeah. they're in, in this small space and everybody's heated. Like everyone's on edge. Fucking Batman's on edge. Gordon's, right for cops. And, and Gordon is literally the only one standing in the way of all this just kind of blowing up, you know? Yeah. And, and the commissioner is and the actual commissioner and the chief. And they're just like, get this shit under control. What the fuck is going on here? That's another thing is that confusion seems to be a huge uh, motif in this movie, like like disorientation and confusion. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of instances where, honestly, you don't know what's what is what in many ways. Yeah. And because this movie focuses on the detective aspect, um, that makes that all the more compelling because, you know, we're looking for answers, but we're also kind of constantly left in the dark and it's, it's blurry and unfocused. And uh, that's why the relationship between Jim Gordon and, and Batman in this film is so central is that, you know, they're sort of just trying to, to figure this out together and piece it, bounce ideas off. And while Bruce Wayne is always the smartest person in the room, yeah. um, you definitely get this feeling of, of, um, you know, it, of, camaraderie you know both with with jim gordon with alfred when they're working on things together with with zoe kravitz yeah uh you know it's it's uh you have all these all these characters that are sort of trying to help him piece it together and and i feel like you know the the person who comes closest was gordon yeah definitely you know i mean he was pretty much i mean they're all the way with every step of the investigation 
Yeah. You know, and he figured some shit out to himself. And, and even he fucks up, too. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, remember, these, these are more fallible versions of these characters. 100%. I mean, yeah. that's, that's definitely where they were going with this. Yeah. But I guess, you know, without getting into spoilers, there's not as much the, the, to say that, you know, not, there's so much more we want to say. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but definitely. I guess that, that that's kind of really about it. I mean, what were your final thoughts on this, Bo? I think that this is the world's greatest detective version of Batman that we always needed. We, we, we needed this version of Batman. I mean, there was definitely a desire for it especially given how the arkham asylum games came out like yeah. those are very much kind of investigative type of games yes. yeah detective so. mode is like an aspect of the games you know? yeah so i mean that's which of course which is why i kind of figured that yeah you know somewhere along, along the line that arkham asylum it had to play some role in the development of this movie yeah you know but I mean, this is like one of the better versions of Batman you're getting. We're, we're getting a completely different perspective of this character altogether. Something that we needed, yeah. you know, especially after how tired and phoned in Affleck's performance was. Honestly, I mean, Honestly, we, 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 we could have gotten so much better. He could have done so much better. I kind of feel that if we would have gotten a younger Ben Affleck as Batman, it probably would have been something special. I mean, if we had him instead of George Clooney, right? Yeah, could you imagine? Val Kilmer was all right. I don't have any issues with him, but <laughs> yeah, Kil Kilmer was okay as Batman. He's the second worst Batman. That's what sucks. He's, just, he's like you don't even get the honor of being the worst Batman. You're just like stuck in the middle. Yeah, but which is, but I mean, he's also in the best Schumacher movie. Yeah, the one of the the, the Schumacher movie that's not like bad. Yeah, I mean, Batman Forever is not the worst movie in the world. I it's think. just the fact that they decided to market it as a sequel to Batman Returns and then, but just not no, pay they, any attention to the continuity is kind of. Yeah, that was kind of shitty. And I mean, they, they should have just done what they did with this and also with the DCU but, and just made it its own thing. Keep in mind, I think that was just not a thing for superhero movies at the time. You know? No, it wasn't. It was meant to be silly and campy and fun. Well, mostly, what for I'm kids. saying is, reboots hadn't become a thing yet. You know, like I, you know, it, you couldn't explain to a movie audience that didn't understand. So they just decided to say, you know, yeah, it's a sequel because it started off that way, right? Yeah, it did. And then you know, Michael Keaton left, and then, uh, or sorry, no, no, then uh, Tim Burton left, and then Michael Keaton left. But anyway, yeah. we're getting off track here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, kind of the same situation that happened with this movie, you know, uh, Ben Affleck left and then they replaced him with Matt Reeves or ugh. yeah. Yes. And then yeah, they replaced him with, uh, with, who, with who Matt Reeves, with, right? With, with Robert, pa with, Robert with Pattinson, pa with Pattinson. Cause okay, he was okay. set to direct into a star. Oh, that's right. So yeah, he, two people had to replace him. Yeah. Basically. Oh, that's, that's funny. But <laughs> yeah, my thoughts are, I mean, like I said, I think it's the best Batman movie that's come out and that says a lot that yeah. really does and and obviously there are some things that you know the, the christopher nolan films for instance were, were really awesome because they were just the first like superhero movies to really take themselves seriously i mean they paved the road that this walks on literally definitely you know and yeah. and it's and 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 a complete amount of respect to the fact that they made studio quality films that they made films that that took themselves seriously i just feel like this movie does it even better it takes that 
you know, concept and it runs with it. It digs a little bit deeper. It's pretty much what Zack Snyder wanted to make. That's what I kind of feel. Yeah, sure. It's what Zack Snyder wanted to make with his movies. But why didn't he make it when he did Batman versus Superman? Because he's Zack Snyder. That's arguably the worst Batman movie. (laughs) Because he's Zack fucking Snyder. I mean, what? Why else would he do it? Come on now. (laughs) I mean, at least Batman and Robin was fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely. got this like so bad it's good quality. Batman versus Superman is just like, ugh, yeah, Martha, Martha. But yeah, no, five out of five. I mean, this movie was fucking fantastic, and I know I've said that about a lot of movies lately. Like, I think oh, Spider Man movie. I was like, this is my favorite Spider Man movie, and like the last time we when we did the Suicide Squad, I was like, this is my favorite DC movie, and now I think this is my favorite DC movie. So it's. I know I don't I've been know, saying I that, but we've just been getting a lot of good movies lately, especially superhero movies. I mean, or maybe Black Widow Luke- was meh. I haven't heard very good things about Eternals. I still haven't seen it yet. That's, yeah, I haven't heard a good things, a lot of good things I, about. That's Eternals. why I'm disinterested. But Shang Chi yeah. was fucking great. So I still haven't seen Shang Chi. It's amazing. It's actually one of the better superhero films I've seen in a while. Right on. Right on. I keep saying that because we do. St- we are actually getting good movies lately. We are getting some decent movies now. You know? Yeah. And, and I hope to see that trajectory. I mean, I have a lot of high hopes for Black Adam, for The Flash, Aquaman 2. But also on the Marvel side, Multiverse of Madness, which we're definitely doing. Multiverse of Madness is the next thing I'm super excited about. Oh, that's going to be great. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah, I'll go ahead and give this movie at least a 4.8. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, if we're going on that scale, I, I think that it is very technically impressive. The acting is on point. And I mean, the length barely feels like it's as long as it is until maybe closer to the climax. But it, I mean, at the end, you are kind of thinking like, huh, this movie isn't over yet. But I don't know. I never was like, again, I was never I was never bored. I, I was never disinterested. And I got to say, there were some parts of the, the Dark Knight to this day that are kind of like, eh. yeah, there's a few of them it kind of slugs. And I I. It seems like heresy to say because I know that they're important for the storytelling. I know that there's something really intelligent about them, but you got to also keep my interest. And to this credit, the Batman always kept my interest. I never really, I never really complained. You know, I'm not one to really complain about movie lengths in, in general. I think it's, I don't think it's really a valid complaint considering the fact that people obviously have no problem binging TV shows for eight hours. Yeah, no, they don't have no problem with so, that. So the complaint that a movie is too long is not a good complaint. Does the movie use its time effectively? You know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, did it use its four hours effectively? Eh. Arguably. Arguably not. I mean, you could have done with, with you know, with, 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 with three hours of the movie if you just took out all of the slow-mo. But <laughs> yeah, oh man, that, that just pretty much padded that movie out. Kidding, yeah. it was a great movie. Um, but like again, though, I think that was one of my only major complaints is I didn't think it used its time effectively. I think this movie did. Yeah. I yeah, really do. Did. Definitely. And, I would, and like I said, I think this is a good companion piece to Joker. So mm-hmm. whenever it comes out on streaming, if you can watch both movies uh, together in one night as a double as a little double feature, I, I would recommend doing that, honestly. And maybe throw in the Suicide Squad just for shits and giggles. Yeah. You know. But, you know, DC, Marvel also, keep making movies that keep replacing my favorite movie from your franchise. Seriously. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think I did that th- I think I did that this last year with Zack Snyder's Justice League, and then I did it with the Suicide Squad, and now I'm doing it with the Batman. But, <laughs> hey, just keep doing that. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be making movies that are always getting better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially after the downturn during the whole Snyderverse and everything. 
Exactly. I'm yeah. really glad, actually, that, that DC is kind of getting its shit together. Let's hope it stays that way. Let's hope so. Yeah. I, the problem is, is that you just need a centralizing figure like a Kevin Feige to kind of rein everything together. And Snyder was supposed to be, but the studio didn't let him be. And whether or not that would have worked is up to debate. Again, I think Batman versus Superman was trash, so I don't really even have that much faith in Snyder. But um, Zack Snyder's Justice League was cool. I yeah, think. yeah, it was. <laughs> And, and we have an episode on that. Look look for that in our back catalog. By yeah. The way. But anyway, yeah, let's go ahead and wind everything down. Uh, what's going on with Collateral Gaming, Ash? Uh, well, today, actually, as of recording this, just finished our uh, Horizon Forbidden West episode. So we got a game launch episode out on that. Uh, by the time this comes out, probably, I'm probably going to have that edited done by, by tomorrow, at least. So, um, And then after that... Uh, we're actually going to be pushing Hellblade out to May because um, I really, you know, I, I, I really wanted to get uh, Elden Ring out. That was the big thing. And we are getting Elden Ring out this month. Um, I wanted to get Horizon done. And yeah. then in April coming up, we're going to be doing our 420 special. We're also doing a bad game review on Anthem before that. But uh, Bo's going to be joining on for our 420 special on Goldeneye. On Goldeneye. Woo! On original hardware. Hell yeah. We're going to play Goldeneye on original hardware, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. we got to get Robert in on that as well, because you know that Robert loves that game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, look in the future for some Final Fantasy VII content as well. That's coming coming together. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're just trying to get Ash to play through the game so we can see what it, the original game is all about. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, on Collateral Cinema, we're a little bit behind schedule as well, so we decided to go ahead and, you know, whip out a couple of at-the-movie uh, episodes. You know, we, we did Uncharted recently. We got that out, and uh, we did this movie. I'm thinking the next thing we're going to do, because we we're kind of waiting on uh, the Retro Anime podcast to get back to us for uh, the Cowboy Bebop episode. So. Yeah, that's, that's uh, TBD. I mean, at, yeah, at, at yeah. some point, that's going to be out. That's part two of our anime episode. Don't worry. Yeah, it, it will be out. But, yeah, look for that and look for our Mikaversary episode. Once again, we're releasing that a little later than we wanted to, but that, that's going to be on the, the Masters of Horror episode imprint, and that's going to be all kinds of fun with Billy Drago. That's going to be great. Yeah. And, yeah, hopefully we'll get the Cowboy Bebop episode done, but if we don't do that, we'll probably just go ahead and do, like, So I Married an Axe Murderer or something like that, or Sidekicks. Well, either one of them. Yeah. Know? But, I mean, we are winding down this the season. We might be hitting 10,000 downloads before then. We are at 9,817 at the moment. So Fuck yeah. thank you for, for all those downloads. And we look forward to hitting that milestone. And, yeah, I mean, that's what's really coming up for Collateral Cinema. The season's about to wind down. And we got some extra episodes that we want to throw out there. So, yeah, look for all of that, everybody. But, yeah, and anything else, Ash? Like, maybe we should talk about Texas Sundown a little bit? Not without Robert. Not without Robert, yeah. And I Robert's mean, not here, man. We didn't even we were able to, to talk. We could have talked about that fucking awesome chase scene in the fucking Batmobile. Oh, man, he would have nerded out over the Batmobile. I mean, it was pretty much just a straight-up muscle car. It was just, just a tricked-out muscle car. It was fucking cool as hell. We didn't even talk about how that scene alone, that car chase scene, was just stood up as a good fucking car chase scene. It I mean, really did. It yeah. felt like we were, we were watching some, like, Steve McQueen shit. Yeah, seriously, man. It, it felt like Steve McQueen all the way. Without having to Snyder-fy it and, like, 
throw bullets everywhere. No, no, there wasn't even any gunplay here. It was just a good, an honest to goodness car chase. You know, yeah. it's not all Jason borned out or anything like that. It's just, you know, good, almost like the car chase in The Dark Knight. You yeah. Know? That's a very dynamic one, but that has a lot more gunplay to it. It's like, like take that and take all the gunplay out of it, and you got a good chase scene. Fuck yeah. In here, so. But yeah, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up. Uh, you can find Collateral Cinema on uh, on Podchaser. You can find us on Patreon. Check out our all of our content there. It starts at $1. We, we have full-length commentaries there. Um, also, look for us on Good Pods. It's like we, we're, we're kind of on and off the charts there. Like, I think that we uh, placed like in the top 20 or something like that recently. So thank, thank you to everybody on Good Pods for that. And also, you can find us on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all those other podcast apps. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. You can find us on Show Lover Radio. Uh, I think that I'll be making a couple of drops on Lalo here very soon. And also, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And uh, Ash, how about Collateral Gaming? All of those places as well. All those places as well. <laughs> yeah, no point in, in listing them out, right? Right. Right. But anyway, I guess we can go ahead and wrap things up, right? I'd say so. I'd say so, too. So with that, I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Vengeance. <laughs> and this was Collateral Cinema. Slava Ukraine!
Collateral Cinema is a Collateral Media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.